Two Humorous Nurses would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record the podcast, the Yorty Ordination. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who are listening today. Always was, always will be. This episode is brought to you by Nursley, Comfy AF Compression Socks. Take the time to take care of yourself and your patients one pair of socks at a time. Head to www.nurslystore.com to check out the fun range. Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast that hassles people to come on their podcasts. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing and paramedics. Today, our guest is not only a nurse turned paramedic, educated dog lover and fellow coffee enthusiast, he's also a bit of a superstar and you may know him from the TV show Paramedics. We have Mike Fox with us today. Thanks for coming on the pod, Mike. Hey girls, how are you? Good. So I'm just going to start by saying that we watch paramedics or I watch paramedics with my daughter (laughs) and you and Eamon are her favourites. Like (laughs) she... She was so excited when I said who I was interviewing. She was like, oh, I want to come on. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about your nursing career maybe and what made you move into the world outside of the hospital and into the back of an ambulance? Absolutely. Um, I loved nursing. I was a nurse for five years. Uh, so I did a double degree in paramedicine and nursing. So that's the four-year bachelor because I thought, oh, I really actually only wanted to do nursing. And I thought, oh, extra year, I'll just add on paramedicine and see what happens. Uh, so did the whole computer match and grad program thing, worked at, you know, like a medium-sized metro hospital, uh, did emergency, did med surge, um, really liked respiratory and oncology but ended up going back to emergency for another four years yeah. and kind of did my bits there, did my post-grad and crit care. And then I was sort of maxed out in clinical way, like there was not much more clinically to do and I didn't want to go into management and I didn't want to go and do the full postgrad to be an educator as much as that would have been cool. And at the time there was a big change in Ambulance Victoria, like we got a new government, we got a new board of directors They were hiring, I say they were basically hiring anyone with a pulse. So I went, <laughs> all right, this is my opportunity to use that other degree and give it a crack. So there was nothing wrong with nursing. It was just time for a change. What yeah. are the requirements, if you don't mind me asking, mm. when you do a double degree, do you then, is it like a priority that you do your grad nurse, your grad year mm. first with nursing and then is your paramedic just always there or do you have to do extra shifts? Like how does that work? So luckily when I uh, changed over, paramedics weren't registered with APRA. So it was basically anything went. And then I think in about 2019, paramedicine got registered. So now there is a requirement and it's really hard for people doing that double degree because, you know, you've got to do your nursing grad year the first year out. And that's exactly what I did. And then fell in love and stayed for four years. But um, so now you can do that. I think you have about two years of grace period with your paramedicine before they start asking questions. Yeah, right. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. So now you're, uh, what's your role within the ambulance service? Oh, yeah, sorry. So I've been with Ambulance Victoria for just ticked over five years now. 
Uh, so I'm a like basic paramedic, advanced life support, uh, but I also teach and do safety and peer support, manual handling, uh, and I teach paramedicine at the local uni as well. And how was that transition for you going from nursing to paramedic? Well, it's it's actually really hard because, you know, you do all the clinical stuff in nursing and nursing and paramedicine is pretty similar clinically, like as an emergency RN, it crossed over quite well. But do you think I knew how to park the car properly yeah. or how to get someone <laughs> how to get someone out of a house? It's like I'm used to them. I was having this conversation the other day. As a nurse, your patients are in beds, yeah? Most of the time your patient's in bed. Yeah. So that's my mindset. I'm used to seeing the patient in a bed. So I walk into their house, hey, Mike from the ambulance, blah, blah, blah. They're tucked up in bed all nice and comfy. And they'd be like, oh, I'm so sick. I'm so, so sick. And I go, oh, that sounds terrible. Check them out. And my partner would walk up, rip the covers off them, go, come on, mate, sit up for me. And suddenly they'll be perfectly fine. And it's because, <laughs> like, you know, when you're in your own bed, you feel sick as 10 men, you just want to be left alone. So it was a really big transition, not clinically, but logistically. And, you know, working out, instead of having a big pharmacy full of drugs, I've got this one bag and it's only got so many drugs in it. There are a lot of limitations, you know. I would be used to walking up to a doc and going, hey, doc, this person needs a central line or a NORAD infusion or ICU review, whatever. In paramedicine, it's like, oh, we'll just drive a bit faster for this one maybe <laughs> or we might get intensive care paramedics for this one. Like it's, it was a big, big change. Yeah, and there's right. no bell for you to ring for no. other nurses to come running? Like, no, oh, but, but conveniently there's also no patient call bell, so it kind of, yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> you know, everything you were just describing, I was thinking that's what it feels like to work where I work now. Like you can't, like you look around and go, Who's in charge? And you're like, oh, fuck, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, And, um, yeah, I just feel like I'm winging it most of the time. Just let that imposter syndrome set in. Just marinate in it. (laughs) It was like one of my first shifts back from maternity leave. I'm in charge of the hospital. Oh, jeez. And the next next person in charge is one of our good friends. She had just gotten back from maternity leave as well. And something happened. I looked at her. I'm like, do you know what we do now? She goes, no. And they'd just done like massive renovations while we'd been on maternity leave. And we're like, fuck, it's the blind leading the blind around here. (laughs) Luckily, no one died. Yeah. It's the goal of the shift. Mm. Can you, um, obviously majority of our listeners are nurses um, Mm. and so we all understand what a a normal nursing shift is like, but tell us about what a shift in an ambulance looks like. Do you just Mm. wait to be called out? Do you get on the road as soon as it starts and just drive around until you get a, you got to go now to lights and sirens? Yeah. Um, So basically we do a bit longer shifts than nursing. Our, Our shorter shift is 10 hours. It's a day shift. And our night shift is 14 hours. Um, So we get there, you know, half hour early, talk shit with everyone, check your truck, check all your gear, log on, and then your time is your own basically unless you have a job. So often these days it's quite busy. Everyone knows that Mm. we'll get a job straight away. But, you know, the other day we went out and got coffee in the morning and then we came back and did some training. I went to Bunnings and got a new key ring. Uh, you know, the other night I was driving back to my branch, I stopped by home and let the dog out to the toilet, you know, all that sort of stuff you can do. 
but at any time you can hear a little beep, 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 and that's your radio going off. You've got to go to a job and yeah. it, it can be anything. I love that. That's the dream. It's <laughs> I, I am trying to poach some nurses, so um, I'm going to tell you all the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best part about being like a paramedic? Obviously we, mm. we – um, like to know the ins and outs of these things so you know what's your favorite part about it uh so my my typical answer to that is you know it's the pay and the coffee and the uniform and the driving fast (laughs) um because they're all better than in nursing to be honest like uh okay the coffee the coffee definitely is but really like the actual answer to it is going to be I don't have to answer to anyone, essentially. Like, you guys know how it is. You go, I know exactly what this patient needs, but I've got to go to the doctor and get an order. And even if they're a great doctor that do it, I've then got to go to the drug safe and sign out that drug, the DD, or I've got to double-check the injectable. I've got to go to the patient's bedside, and in that time, 10 other people are going to want a piece of me. Whereas in paramedicine, I do the assessment, I choose what drug to give, I choose how much and when, and, yeah, I'm totally in charge of what's going on. I obviously lean on my partner to help me make decisions, but ultimately I don't have to answer to anyone. I've got almost total autonomy. And how do you feel about that? Like obviously you have to have really amazing assessment skills then if you're making those decisions for the things that you see. Yeah, and I think that's where nursing really saves my ass every day. Yeah. Like compared to... Uh, you know, someone who's done a three-year paramedic degree is usually 21 when they come out, maybe done a year of a graduate program and has never seen, like I went to an Addisonian crisis the other day and if I hadn't done nursing, Mm. I wouldn't know anything endocrine. I wouldn't have known anything about it. So it's so, so handy. But, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of risk and you take that risk on yourself or you take the liability on yourself and that's probably the opposite end of it that's probably the big negative is that there's no one to really uh well there are supports but there's no one there beside you or no met call buzzer that you can push yeah I find um my father-in-law had a really big heart attack Mm -hmm. um a few years ago now five years ago um at the local footy ground and Mm -hmm. I just happened to be there on the day and I called for an ambulance and I um, you know, said that it was cardiac and mm. took 30 minutes for the ambulance yeah. to arrive mm. and someone had dropped off the automatic defib, but he was in the front of a ute that was parked so close to the car next to him and I, I knew I couldn't get him out and there was all these people around but nobody was, like, paying any attention. Yeah. And I was thinking, at what point do I drag him out of this ute or mm. call the footy boys over to drag him out so I can use the defib? And, yeah, jeez. And um, I remember just thinking when the paramedic turned up, like I've never been happier to see you <laughs> because he put the like the leads on and straight away he was like, he's having a STEMI. And I was like, oh, God, like here we go. Like I knew it was cardiac just by looking yeah. at him, one look at him and I was like, this is wrong. But I just remember thinking how in control that paramedic was to make that decision, give some morphine and just get him the fuck out of there and yeah. was like, we're going to head this way, I'm getting my car and you just follow us. And, uh, yeah, it was really – that's my first experience outside of a hospital mm. dealing with something. And I remember just thinking, I don't have oxygen. I don't have, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't even know how to use this automatic defib machine. Like I was just like, where's the button to ring? And I, and that 30 minute wait was just the most intense mm. um, 
thing and I just, yeah, I remember he came and he was so calm and I just thought, oh, wow, I could not do that. Well, so it's so interesting to say that I had a similar experience helping someone on the side of the road, a little old lady, tiny cut, couple of Band-Aids, nothing. Mm. But because I was outside of the hospital environment, I was shaking like a leaf yeah. just trying to put a basic dressing on. I'm like, come on, man, I do this in hospital, no yeah. dramas. <laughs> but as soon as you're outside of that environment and especially if it's, you know, a family member, you're going yeah. to be stressed out. Um, and that was one of the big things going across to paramedicine that you sort of just push through and get used to, yeah. but it's hard. Yeah. It was really, it sort of, it was the first time other than dealing with the paramedics in um, the hospital environment, mm. which, yeah, and I was blown away. What do you reckon, like conversely to your favourite stuff, what do you reckon's like the hardest part of your job then if you? Oh, yeah. Um I think probably it's along the similar vein, it's the the lack of support. So very lucky in the hospital, you know, there's educators, there's doctors, there's specialists, there's ICU, um, even in smaller hospitals, at least there's other nurses to help you out. But for me and I work with graduates a lot or we've got a lot of emergency surge workers who aren't even paramedics that we're working with at the minute because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so I'm the senior paramedic on the car and that's fine, 99% of the time, it's nothing, you just do yeah. whatever. But like the other day, it was my call to cease resuscitation on someone. Yes. Um, and that was a bit like, even though I've been in for a while, that was a bit, oh, okay, actually, I'm the paramedic, <laughs> I have to make yeah. that decision. And, the, you know, if I stuff it up, I knew I had Mike right on my ass and they came in after I'd called it. And I sort of even hesitantly handed them the ECG to be like, oh, he's in asystole, da-da-da, because a little part of me was, oh, what if I'm wrong? What if they go, oh, you've stopped and we should keep going? And, of course, that was just my little anxiety talking. That wasn't the facts. So I think there's that element of it that is really, really hard. Do those type of call-outs, and especially if you're not – like with another paramedic, like if you're with one of these, you find that the um, the aftermath of those kind of call-outs are hard to recover from in the moment. Like if you've, you know, you clear yourself from that case and then you immediately get another one mm. and you regroup and get on with it straight away. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't imagine that would be an easy thing to do out in the community either. Mm. Like, do you get time in that moment to? Uh, look, you can ask for it. But routinely, we're not going to. Oh, I'm such a macho man. I'm going to be so tough. I try not. I try not to be like yeah. that. Uh, I try to role model not being like that. But ultimately, you go. So this exact situation happened the other night. We did the cardiac yeah. arrest. It was on the side of the road in the bucketing rain that we've just had blow through. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he was so wet. We were worried about defibbing him. Luckily, yeah. he was in asystole. Fortunately for us. Uh, not for him, unfortunately. No. <laughs> and you go, yep, the patient's deceased, police come, and we hear there's a micro crew that needs backup. There's no one else available for like 30 kilometres. So, of course, we're going to clear. We're going to go do that job because yeah. we've got to. And it was all all good, but it does accumulate exactly what you're saying. You know, yeah. there's not much of a chance to blow off some steam or debrief. Yeah, that would be hard because I know what it's like and I'm sure you know it's like in a hospital situation too. You can sort of, you don't always get that time immediately to debrief. You have to sort of do it later in yeah. the shift. And I imagine if you're on the or out on the road, it's even harder, especially if you go to something else that's just as catastrophic. 
in the next call out. So this is why I always say I'm happy to watch it on TV, but I don't <laughs> want that adrenaline rush in real life. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just yeah. watch you do it. Yeah. We'll shift focus a little bit because what I've found on your Instagram is you're very big on education yeah. and putting things out there and you've got your whiteboard Wednesdays that you do. Can you tell us a bit about how they came about, you know, why you do them? And Yeah, definitely. So I've been doing Whiteboard Wednesday for I think probably two years or so and it actually, I've always used, I love the whiteboard because it's just so simple. It's a bit colourful, visual learner, all that, but I always just did it for myself or for my students. And then when COVID hit, we had a really rapid change of guidelines like you guys are the same. Today wear a gown, tomorrow don't wear a gown, wear a P2 mask, wear whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, we all went through a massive change and there were so many changes happening so quickly that I just wanted an easy way to educate my branch about them. So thought, oh, do the whiteboard. And then some of my colleagues wanted it. So I go, oh, put it on Instagram of all places, very professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, And then it just sort of grew from there and people said, oh, can you explain this? Or students in particular will ask for a topic to come up. Uh, in fact, the other day our clinical practice guideline team who write the book that we follow, they asked me to do a whiteboard for a new guideline. So it's sort of just gotten a life of its own from there. Yeah. Even if you're not a paramedic, it's really interesting to watch and read and learn about it because some of it is reflects in nursing as well. <laughs> so Now, Mike, we've got some questions for lis- from listeners to ask you. And um, the first one is, is the uniform heavy? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> I do a little q and I've never had that question before. Um, <laughs> no, the, the uniform's not heavy, but I'm one of those people that tries to carry everything on myself. So if you can imagine <laughs> when I was a nurse, I had the biggest pouch you could get and oh, I had stop. everything in it, the tape, tongue depressors, lubricant, oh. Um, no, just the girls. Come on, keep it professional. Keep it professional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. But, you know, the doctors loved it because they'd be there doing a PR exam or something for a trauma or whatever they want to do. Oh, where's the lubricant? In comes Foxy with my little man bag. <laughs> <Bing>. <laughs> Um, so now as a paramedic, I don't carry lubricant. Um, like in the army with all of your tactical. No, but I would love that if it was socially acceptable to wear a chest rig. Um, cause I'm, I'm in the army reserve as well. So I've got yeah. my webbing. I, could put that on. I actually, I get made a lot of fun of it. I don't know. I don't think you call it this in nursing, but in paramedicine, we talk about the Batman factor and it's how many things you have on your belt. You know, Batman's got his utility belt. And so, (laughs) you know, you can't have more than one thing on your belt. So now I have everything hidden in my pockets. I've got spew bags. I've got shears. I've got a torch. I've got a glass breaker. I've got my keys. I've got a stethoscope. You know, there's everything in there. So, no, the uniform's not heavy, but all the shit I put in the pockets (laughs) is. That's so funny. I love that. Murphy's Law, like um, in... In the urgent care centre, um, it's like if you make all of the beds perfectly, you will not need them. Yes, exactly. Let's chat about your reality TV show. Alicia and I, well, me more so than Alicia, but I'm a reality TV fanatic. So mm. I watch really dumb shit though, like Real Housewives and whatever. And But the paramedics shows and ED shows and things mm. like that, I'm obsessed with because as 
uh, nurses. I think we don't ever see that side of it. Um, and so, yeah, I love watching it with my daughter, although we've had to have many conversations about CPR and how babies are born because of it, which is fine. I'm happy to talk about that stuff with her. But um, what's it like trying to do your job on TV? Like how were you selected? Like you and Eamon are amazing. So. <laughs> Um, well, I might start with how we got into it. Uh, it was actually a bit of a joke. They put out a expression of interest like they say, hey, who wants to do this TV show? And I always said when I was a nurse, I loved One Born Every Minute, the midwifery oh, show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved that. That was so good. And I always said as a nurse, I would love to do something like that. Um, and then this paramedic, paramedics came up. And I just, I was a graduate still. I'd been in the job for like eight months. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm top shit. I'm going to bloody apply for this. <laughs> no one else in the branch would apply for it. It was just me. Um, and they accepted that. They they took me on board. So it's certainly not who's the best paramedic or even who's the most handsome paramedic. If you can just, you know, gob off a bit and talk a bit of trash and have a good time it. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. No one else put their hand up. So, um, you know, poor Eamon gets stuck with me, uh, but we get along like a house on fire. We're actually really good mates now. Uh, so you didn't, you didn't know him? You just I'd never him. met him. I'd never met him before. Oh, wow. Um, and we so just showed up to shift and as you can probably tell from the amount of stuff I carry in my pockets, I'm a bit of a, I try and be a professional character. I try and be, you know, the shirt was ironed and bloody everything yeah. like that. And he's a lot more of a casual guy. And yeah. so together we're a very odd couple, but it really, really works. But in terms of doing the job with cameras floating around, that's challenging. That's mm. really, really hard. We were just filming the other day and we we're in this really hot house upstairs trying to take a lady that weighs about 150 kilos down the stairs on our mat that we use. Yeah. And I'm like, effing staircase, effing architect, who the fuck designed this? Da, 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 da. And then I look over and there's our camera guy just laughing at me with the camera right in my face. I'm like, you can't use any of that. You've got to cut that away. That's funny. You did a bit of a um, like behind the scenes on on Insta the other day with all the cameras in, mm. front of the, in the ambulance, and I was like, "Wow, they really capture you from every angle." Yeah. <laughs> like they do. I can't have a good side because they get all my yeah. sides. So. <laughs> I think the funny like last year, or I don't know if it was last year or the year before, actually with COVID, and you everyone's like masked up. Mm. And was it you that came up with the idea to wear the badges? With like yeah. faces on. That's it. I've still got mine. Eamon hated so his. Shit. Yeah. Oh, so hate. much. <laughs> he was such a bugger about it. Um, and he's handsome. Like, why would you yeah. say no to that? <laughs> One of my patients today, I've only ever known during COVID, and he took his mask off. And I thought, God, you do not look how I thought you would look because I've literally oh, yeah. never seen him without his mask. That yes. was the with a staff member. We had a new staff member come like during COVID. Oh, I yeah. ran into her like in a shop in town and she was like, oh, Leisha. And I was like, like, you know, just casual smile. And I walked away going, who the fuck was that? And then I heard her talking to someone. I was like, oh, my God, I know her. <laughs> for the last oh wow <laughs> that's funny the, one of the other questions from Melissa was how much is it elderly people who've had a fall versus exciting things mm, um what an exciting thing is in your world but oh yeah I um yeah it's hard to say it's old it's not so much old people falling over old people 
they don't fall over that much or they get up and things like that. That's probably like 10% of the work. Uh, it's a lot of, at the minute, a lot of kids with respiratory illness, uh, things like that. Um, still a lot of COVID around. Probably in terms of those nurses that were interested in, in paramedics. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, we do all the same stuff. I always say to people who work in ED and they say, oh, you know, this person didn't need to come in, they self-present. I go, yeah, we go to 10 times that many people yeah. who don't need ambulance and it's not their fault. They don't know. Like we're all health professionals. We can have a chat about it, but they just call triple zero. So in terms of what's exciting stuff, there's a bit of a saying in paramedicine that you spend 95% of the time training for 5% of the work. Um, so, we, well, I say we love, we are very interested in a, in a good cardiac arrest that's salvageable or a really sick sepsis or a really sick trauma, uh, but that's not that common. Another question is what is the biggest selling point to jump ship from nursing to paramedicine? biggest selling point uh there's there's a few it's not got everything on nursing nursing the roster's way better um or it it really depends on what you're looking for like for me it was the i can do my own thing i can be autonomous that sort of stuff for other people it might be uh what the community thinks of them you know nurses are underappreciated we all know nurses are underappreciated but people, for some reason, think the sun shines out of paramedics' bums, <laughs> um, to be totally honest, and it yeah. doesn't. Having seen both sides of it, I always yeah. say the reason I won't go back to nursing is because nurses work way harder than paramedics yeah. in general. Of course, we do our little times, but um, so maybe that's the biggest selling point is I used to think, oh, paramedic is so physically heavy and laborious. It's not at all. A nursing shift, you're doing way more manual handling and moving So I always thought if I got injured, I'd go back to nursing, but nursing is too hard. Mm. I'd be better off actually staying in paramedicine. So if you're looking for a change like I was, um, that's probably the number one thing about paramedics that would attract you. Yeah, I definitely remember in my grad year thinking that I'm like, hey, I'm 23 and I feel like I've got the back of a 60-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) You know. They don't warn you about that. No one tells ah. you your core exercises <laughs> when you get into nursing. Yeah. That's why and I you, always put the bed up so friggin' high to do anything. Yes. Everyone's all like, why do you do that? I'm like, because I'm not bending over, mate. Like, and that's it. And you do your no lift thing and you go, oh. sweet, I'm, I'm never going to lift a person in, in my life. But then you shower them, you toilet them, you help them walk to the toilet, you roll them and do pressure care. That's all really physical stuff that nurses do. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you work somewhere that really supports you and looks after you, but yeah. not everywhere does. What's it like, speaking of like manual handling stuff, in the back of the ambulance? Like I don't yes, feel I like it's a very it. tall space to like stand up in or, you know, and you're working in a cramped environment doing mm. life-saving events. Definitely. And actually I was listening to one of your older episodes today at the gym and I think, Alicia, <laughs> did you say you could never do it because you're too tall? and you'd hurt your back standing up in the ambulance, I I pissed myself. I feel like every time you watch like paramedics, you see them and they're all standing in the back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm too tall to stand in the back. I'm only six foot. So, um, but it's not too bad because once you get used to it, the back of the truck is your office, we call it. So you always want to get people in there because everything is within arm's reach. Like in the hospital, you've got your IV trolley or you've got your catheter trolley, whatever. We've got all that pretty much within reach. So it's not too bad. 
But yeah, one of the reasons I would never want to work on the helicopter, A, I'm not smart enough, but B, I think it's way too cramped. Yeah, the helicopter looks scary. Oh, so scary. You have to be a special kind of crazy, like crazy skilled, but crazy, yeah. crazy <laughs> to work on the helicopter. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because every time Hems comes to the hospital, I get all like starstruck and I get so excited. Oh, yeah. That's what I want to do one day. Mm. They're amazing. They are amazing people, but got to screw loose. Because yeah. you want to get in this bucket of bolts and fly through a storm while yeah. intubating someone <laughs> by yourself. Yeah, it's incredible. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds awesome. You get Not a psych bad. test. Maybe I need to become a paramedic. Maybe you should. Oh, we have, uh, you know, flight nurses. So work as a flight nurse. Obviously paramedics you see a lot of traumatic situations. You go to car accidents and, mm. you know, drownings. I'm thinking worst-case scenarios mm. here. Also, you, you, like, you deliver babies, um, you have sick kids, you see everything. How do you wind down from those shifts? Like, do you do, you do something in particular to protect yourself mm. in those situations? Yeah, um, we do, unfortunately, go to all those things. You're right. I've been pretty lucky um, and not had anything too too catastrophic happen. Uh, but I'll actually admit I'm terrible with self care. I'm uh, I don't sleep properly. I drink a lot. I'm drinking a coffee right now. I drink a lot of coffee. Um, you know, I always try and look out for other people, especially my graduates. So I think I'm trying to get better at it. Uh, you know, we're meant to go see a psych every year and get your head checked and see how you're going. I haven't done that for a few years, so I've got to do that. <laughs> but um, I think the the thing that I do, I like to just come home, sit on the couch, cuddle the dog, um, call my girlfriend and talk to her about what's been going on, uh, even play video games, something to sort of escape, watch some Netflix, anything. Uh, so none of them are probably particularly healthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> but, uh, you know, none of us are perfect and that's what works for me. I feel like in your own way that is self-caring, like, you know, a bit of escapism, a bit of, you know, calling an important person and, you know, winding down like that. Give yourself some credit there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did someone say the other day? Self-care doesn't have to be these big grand gestures. It yeah. can just be something that makes you feel better. Even mm. just like having a treat. Yeah. Oh, I love a treat. Don't you worry. <laughs> there's a there's a red <laughs> rooster, a <laughs> Macca's, and a KFC all next to my ambulance branch. Oh. So <laughs> I love a treat. <laughs> Actually, I um I can't remember who it was on the show, and they were like they brought out, like, I don't know if it was a lolly jar or a bag of lollies and they were just smashing mm. down. I thought, yeah, that's what you need. You need, like, a treat bag in the yeah. in the ambo. So when you drive away, you could just be like, I'm, I need this. Like, oh, I'm eating my feelings. Snack. This yeah. Eat my feelings, yeah. <laughs> what do you do as a team? Do you ever do team debriefs or team um, exercises, building exercise, just to make sure that you're all doing okay like it sounds like you always check in on people but yeah um I haven't been involved in that many like team debriefs but we do they usually happen just ad hoc like this one a manager drove to our branch and said called up our boss and said I'm taking you all out of service for an hour we're having a coffee and we're having a chat after a critical incident so that was really really good 
Um, and we have a really proactive peer support program. You might have seen we have a bunch of dogs that work for ambulance. Um, We have 12 dogs in service uh, and they come around and you pat them and play with them and they're really great. Um, And I'm a peer myself, so I call some people. Like I'll get a message, can you call this person? Um, But there's nothing really formal. So it's like, you know, you do the usual AMBO catch-up. There's probably a bit of alcohol involved sometimes. Uh, Not sure if you guys have known anything about Uh, that. (laughs) Nurses don't drink. No, 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 of course. Of course. You just go home when the sun sets. You just sleep in your nose bed. Um, Yeah, so there's a little bit of stuff. Like there's probably always room for more. But, yeah, we do a few things. The yeah, dogs sound amazing. It's like oh, right up our alley, hey? Oh, the, the dogs are great. <laughs> yeah, we need that. I actually yeah. used to work in a nursing home where one of the um, staff members used to bring her Labrador to work and he'd mm. just sit under the desk for the day and it was so That's nice. so cute. Especially when, like, residents you've known for years die mm. and then you're like, oh, it was Pat Sheba. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we've actually pat. started inviting um, paramedics who've been involved in events because we're mm. relatively isolated. Mm. Um, if something happens and we haven't got a doctor available, like we just need to ring Ambos and they'll come yeah. and help us. Mm-hmm. And um, so we've, we had a few, like we did a neonatal recess one time. Mm. Um, I was more upset because the Micah paramedic spoke to me like a dumb shit. Uh. And, um, and at the meeting, like we had this debrief and invited all the paramedics, which was great, but I was like, I was more just shitty that he'd made some mm. kind of aggressive comment and I was like, <laughs> you didn't see the baby when he came in. You saw him half an hour later once we'd already fucking fixed him. Mm. Like, don't you talk to me like that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, so don't come to one of our debriefs. No, but that's, that's healthy. That's healthy. If you were spoken to poorly, no one should speak to you poorly. It was so. really like it was just because of the position that the baby was in and then when mm-hmm. he walked in, and this baby is now breathing yeah. and, and then sits him on the stretcher. That's the best position you've been in all day, mate. Oh, and, um, yeah. Like, <laughs> went, to the, um, went to the storeroom and cried a bit after that one. <laughs> oh, that's something I do miss about nursing is the old storeroom cry. Yeah. Oh, the med, the med room chat. Yeah. 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 The yeah, bedroom but, bitch. That's yeah, yeah, that's it. And someone else walks in and you pretend to be looking for something yeah. on a shelf. <laughs> There's your obvious chatter and they walk in, you're like, whoop, we're yeah. quiet, you just look until they leave, yeah. <laughs> well, you've gone in there to be alone, yeah, and you just turn around looking for something. <laughs> Thanks for chatting to us today, Mark. It's been so good to hear about life on the road in, rather than inside the hospital. You can follow Mark on Instagram at real.mike underscore fox. Could that be any more tricky? Otherwise, you get um, one gay fox, isn't yeah. it? The fake fox, the yeah. fake one. <laughs> and you can find all of his white ball Wednesdays at paramedicbasics.com.au. And you can follow us at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast or email us at humorousnurses at gmail.com. That's humorous like the bone, H-U-M-E-R-U-S. Bye. Bye.